Welcome to Playback, a variety podcast. On today's show, we're talking about an interesting theme running through a few female performances this year, and this week's release, Deepwater Horizon. A little bit later, I'll be talking to Hell or High Water star Jeff Bridges. So stick around. Right, everyone i'm here with uh variety deputy chief lieutenant captain uh, <laughs> master of all the fish in the ocean all the birds in the sky deputy awards yes. and features editor janelle riley hey how's it going i nailed it um we were just talking right before we started recording here uh, a and we literally were we're not just saying yeah, swear that to God. Yeah. a little trend that uh janelle was picking up on on some of the female performances this year were all of those supporting that you were talking about by um way? except for uh susan sarandon yeah yes Go ahead and speak to actress. your your. Oh yeah, I was just now. I am not a parent. Um, right. I know you are a recent parent. Congratulations! Thank you. Kid's still alive. I take He's it. He's doing okay. well. <laughs> um, I haven't but, screwed up yet, <laughs> as far as I know. But I was really struck by how many performances this year um, sort of centered on or had the theme of motherhood in them, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I don't want people to to think that I'm being dismissive because like sometimes when you say you know actresses they only play mothers or girlfriends, but these are people who are delivering heartbreaking, amazing performances that happen to be tied to motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicole, the reason this came up was because I just saw Lion. Mm-hmm. And Nicole Kidman Which is, your eyes were just as... I think I'm still crying. Is mine were, I think. Yeah. <laughs> were we in the same screen? We were. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I apologize for the. <laughs> you probably heard for the last twenty I was, minutes. I was silently ugly crying at I was the end too. for sure. I was just like I had my hand over my face, like nope. Don't I look. was saying I want to start rating movies on an ugly cry scale, like how many tears and how much snot is pouring out of my nose in line with like tip the scales. Yeah. It was a good cry. I want. It I don't builds, want to scare people away. It really builds. Yeah like naturally to that place too like you know you you kind of know where the narrative is going to end up going but even once it gets there you're just like oh my god this they did it really well it's really well done and uh part of the reason it works so well is nicole kidman in what might be considered a small performance but Mm -hmm. like is, is just she is the face of love the face of unconditional love and plays the adoptive mother of, of this um, Indian child who, mm-hmm. at age five, was separated from his family. And um, look, even just talking about it, I'm getting like emotional. Uh, and it reminded me of another one of my favorite performances, which was Michelle Williams in Manchester by the Sea. Right. Talk about ugly cry. <sighs> yeah, she, it's, and again, um, I think Michelle's only in like a couple scenes. Yeah, it's like the Beatrice Strait yes. thing, you know, just blows in, in that, in, especially in that one scene and, and crushes it. And you're, we walk away thinking yeah. about it. We talked about that scene a few weeks ago. And I mentioned earlier that um, Amy Adams delivers two amazing performances this year mm-hmm. in Nocturnal Animals and Arrival. And I think that for a lead actress nomination, I am would lean towards Arrival because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot about motherhood. Mm-hmm. She plays it so beautifully. It's very emotional. Um, and then there's some smaller movies. Uh, Molly Shannon and Other People mm-hmm. It's quite wonderful. Uh, Susan Sarandon and The Meddler mm-hmm. was a big movie I loved. And they don't all have to be good mothers. And Naomi, Naomi Harris. Harris. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> also me. kind of a small role. Yeah. You know, I Which say we, this knowing there are no such thing as small roles. Well, we talked about that specifically with her, how she shot it over three days, yes. but the places she had to get to within those three days on the schedule. Amazing. It is an interesting little trend with these performances. Are your hormones saying something yeah. to you, Janelle? Oh, good Lord. Don't even go there. <laughs> don't. 
But it is interesting. It is interesting. Uh, we were also going to talk today about uh, just some movies that are floating around in September. Yeah. You know, September seems to be like this, I guess, for lack of a better term, dumping ground right before the season. A lot of people don't give these movies their fair shake uh, for whatever reason. I mean, I feel like Black Mass last year is a good example. This year... It came out in October, didn't it? Oh, no. It was September. It was September. You're it was right. right after the festivals, which, you know, I think might have been part of the problem, the release date. But... Uh, Deepwater Horizon is coming out this week. Did Sorry, I'm it? laughing because, and I really liked Black Mass too, so I'm not just picking on you, but uh-huh. I just imagine you like sit at home at night. Like, no, I don't. Carving Black Mass should have won. I don't. But that's going to be fun fodder for all of my fans out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I just think, uh, well, I've talked to the people involved with the film, yes. and I, I think a few of them thought a different release date might have been smarter. I think your your adoration I mean, you and just, refusal to let it go is actually quite adorable. <laughs> well, you just see how they did with Gravity and Argo and where yeah. they placed those movies. This year, they've got The Accountant in that release slot, which is weird. Who Does anyone know anything? I'm, I'm playing into the marketing. Who is The Accountant? What's <laughs> yeah, going on with The Accountant? I haven't talked to a single person who's seen the movie. Me either. So I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on there. I really like Gavin O'Connor's work most of the time. Yeah. And obviously, I'm an Affleck fan, so I'm very curious. Yeah, me too. Well, Deepwater Horizon is uh, yes. the September movie this year that I think really stands out personally. I thought it was, you know, I like Peter Berg as far as He's it goes. A fantastic filmmaker. I, I mean, I think. I, I think he can do a lot of things really well. Mm-hmm. And this one's really interesting. I just mentioned this somewhere the other day. It it has a lot of his, uh, you know, his mentor is Michael Mann. They shared. I office didn't space. know that. Oh yeah, yeah. They had the office space up here. Because you know, like Michael Mann is my least favorite filmmaker. Really? Yeah. Least favorite. Yeah. Don't. That, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> Well, they, yeah, he's kind of his mentor, and they, they share an office space up on uh, West Olympic up here, actually. And uh, I think a lot of Michael Mann is in this movie, actually, right? Like, especially in the way it's edited and the way it captures all these, like, fleeting moments that kind of build toward the bigger mixture. But in general, you saw the movie, right? I did, and I, I think Did you like it? I think it's great. I think the cast is fantastic. I think um, Peter Berg, uh, you know, he also made Lone Survivor, which was another movie yeah. that I thought, you know, should have been in the Oscar race more outside of, you know, sound editing or whatever mm-hmm. it was nominated for. And first of all, um, he just seems to love to torture Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark Wahlberg seems to like it. Yeah. Well, he's really good at it. Um, and he's assembled a great cast. I mean, Malkovich is in this. Oh, Kurt God. Russell Michael, is fantastic. Malkovich is playing like a Disney villain in the best possible yes, way. Yes, I mean it as a compliment. Like a Creole yeah. Disney villain. Yeah. It's, it's like he's right out of Princess and the Frog or something. It's, <laughs> it's, but he, but he's, he's really good. And it really angers. The movie angers you. Yes, it does. I mean, it, in the best way. And it doesn't manipulate you to that mm-hmm. point. It just tells you what happened, shows you who said what, who acted how. And at the end of it, if you're not pissed off at BP, yeah. then you don't have a pulse. It was really fun to watch with an audience who was so into it and reacting so much. And I spoke to Kurt Russell afterwards and said, you know, what, um, when this oil spill happened, we all, you know, saw in the news that it was the worst oil spill in history. And, you know, lots of animals were covered in oil. But I literally did not even know there were people, over 100 people, on this oil rig. Yeah, and I didn't know that the event was as just massive as it was like the explosion and right down i mean the thing just goes up in flames in Mm -hmm. such a spectacular way in the film and you're just uh riveted and you know regarding the below the line nominations lone survivor god i think this deserves sound consideration too because the way that's part of the experience it puts you on that thing and 
the sound and the visual effects to an extent. It's all part of the part of the mixture that, that puts you there. And I like Berg a lot. I mean, going way back to the rundown, I loved the rundown. Yeah. I loved, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on it, Very Bad Things. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't say loved. It disturbed me in a very good way. Well, we watched that right before my bachelor party, not for, like, oh, homework or anything, I swear. It was just like, hey, let's watch Very Bad Things. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, huge fan of that movie. Um, and the performances he got out of. Was that his first? I think it, I was, think it was as a director. And, um, you know, he wanted Adam Sandler in the Jeremy Piven role. Oh, really? Yeah, which I think would have been fascinating. I'm trying to picture it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I wish you people could see Chris's pondering <laughs> face. Because Piven nails that he kind of He's slime great. well. Yeah. Like back then, especially like Judgment Night is a yes, favorite but that's, movie. I think it's that um, Jeremy Piven was great, but almost too obvious a choice. Yeah, Although maybe. the obvious choice doesn't mean, as David Fincher said about Ben Affleck and Gone Girl, just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's wrong. Right, totally. Well, maybe Deepwater can get somewhere. It's a Lionsgate movie, and they've got a lot of movies this year. Yeah. They've got another Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg movie later well, this year. I sort of feel like Deepwater Horizon is sort of paving the way. It's made me really excited about Patriot's Day. Yeah. Because, again, Peter Berg is dealing with a real-life event, pairing with Mark Wahlberg. Um, I'm sure he'll put him through hell. Yep. I'm sure Mark, Mark will love it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've really, really – I was always a fan of Peter Berg as an actor on Chicago Hope. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. It. Peter, Peter's, uh, what was the, speaking of Michael Mann, what was the movie he was in, the Michael Mann movie? Collateral. He oh, played, He really? played that cop in Collateral, remember? I love his movie, The Kingdom. Do you remember that oh, one? Oh, yeah. Jamie Foxx. Yeah, again, he makes these movies that I actually think should be Oscar movies. And but he's busy. Yeah, like, he's He shoots really a ton busy. of commercials. I can, I'm yeah. trying to get him on the podcast. Peter, if you're listening, I want you on the podcast, man. I want to talk to you about Peter, these if movies. you're listening, I apologize for not liking Michael Mann. <laughs> we should have you interview uh, yeah, Peter Berg, actually, about, about Michael Mann specifically. Uh, what else were we going to talk about today? We, uh, oh, right, well, the New York Film Festival is starting this mm-hmm. week. It's opening with uh, Ava DuVernay's 13th. I think they removed the the. Oh, really? I think it's now just 13th about uh, essentially mass incarceration in America and wow. this loophole language in the 13th Amendment that kind of makes it okay for slavery if you're convicted of a crime. And so she, this is a documentary she directed. She directed and Talk about busy. she did it kind of on the sly. Like yeah. she told, she told me first about it at our power of women event last year. And, uh, I was like, I didn't know you were working on this. I think at the time she was going to try to take it to Sundance or something, but, uh, it's opening New York and that's a big deal actually for a documentary to be opening New York. And, uh, I, I don't know that I can say much about the movie because it's opening tomorrow. I do think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I do think documentaries that are amazing should be considered in the best picture race. Has a documentary ever? Never been nominated. Never. Uh, because they can so easily ghettoize it in the documentary yes. feature category. But I would say the same about animated films, and it's been Absolutely. 20 years. And foreign films. Yeah, and foreign yeah. films. Um, but they occasionally sneak in, yeah. especially with, let's come on, with these 10 nominations. Well, now it's between 5 and 10, and I think that's why we haven't seen an animated movie nominated uh since Toy Story 3, which was the last year they I had... I didn't know that was nominated. Well, yeah, they had yeah. 10 nominations, like, guaranteed at that time. Yeah. And that's back when they would force everyone to pick 10 movies and rank them. Now they everybody wants to rank five nominees, like usual. Yeah. So it's hard to get everybody, you know, enough people putting an animated movie in their top five movies, I guess, is the logic as to why it hasn't happened in the last three or four years. Toy Story 3 was nominated for yeah. Best Picture? Yeah. Sorry, I'm bad at my job. Along with Up. <laughs> Well, up. Oh, gosh. You want to see ugly tears? Show me the first 14 minutes of up. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> but yeah, I just it, it would be nice if uh, movies like that that are, you know, a certain form that aren't immediately considered best picture contenders should be 
considered best picture contenders if they capture the zeitgeist in a fantastic way and i think that this movie opening the new york film festival does that uh, also playing new york this week is or next week is going to be uh 20th century women oh wow mike i'm Mills so excited i love I can't mike wait Mills. to see that and then wrapping it up is Lost City of Z, which I don't even think will come out this year. I don't even know this. Again, I am terrible at my job. No, no, no. It's, they, New York has kept it kind of low key this year. I mean, they've got the Yang Lee movie. They're gonna, they're gonna right, which that. I'm dying to hear anything about. Yeah, and I, they might not even do a screening in LA because they got that's like a million dollar projector or something. They need to run this high frame rate stuff. And I hope it's not like a hobbity look. Well, that'll be it'll be different because mm-hmm. it, it won't be the, the the whole movie. It'll be the the battle scenes, and it'll kind Ooh. of set the tone in those scenes, and you'll come back to the stadium where he's getting. His oh, honor so it's okay if it's a little hyper realized, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I think that's going to be the deal. Uh, and, by the way, I was about to agree with you about your whole spiel about documentaries making it into the race, and mm-hmm. I was going to say I agree with you one hundred percent. Oh, okay. there's my there one for is. this week. Janelle, one hundred percent, Riley has spoken. <laughs> Well, we're going to wrap it up there. I'm talking to Jeff Bridges after this, oh, by the I way. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> so stay Just tuned for that. Just rub it in. He's so good in Hell or High Water. We He's talked about that. Fantastic. I think one of the first things we, we did I on the podcast. I think he really can get a nomination out of that. More and, and more, I feel like he could, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, he's. we've talked about it. He just tears into that role. So in any case, stick around for that. We'll be right back. brother go get that money good morning folks open the drawers you got a gun on you old man you're damn right i got a gun on me y'all are gonna steal my gun too we ain't steal from you we send from the bank Woo! you hear about these bank robberies you may get to have some fun before they send you off to the rocking chair yet i may have one hunt left in me in that bit a while three months bank breathing down her neck been here for a while long enough to watch the bank getting robbed has been robbing me for 30 years these boys know exactly what they're doing they're trying to raise a certain amount that's my guess toby it's a good thing you're done more done every step of the way Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Jeff Bridges, the dude himself. Which I just actually read something that said you were you were okay with just being called out as being the dude for a whole generation of people. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being here, man. Really yeah, appreciate it's it. Great to be here. Uh, we're going to talk about Hell or High Water, which is a great film at the end of the summer. I think people were starved for a real movie at the end of the summer, frankly, and responded in kind. But before we get there, I just wanted to. Uh, backtrack a couple of years here I, I remember early November of 2009 Fox Searchlight had this little movie called Crazy Heart and they weren't sure what they were going to do with it and they screened it and I remember the first thing I said I walked out of there I said this is the I just saw the best actor Oscar winning performance yeah. of the year and then sure enough yeah man that was like what a great experience that was I had such a good time on that one for so many reasons yeah know? Got to work with my dear friend T-Bone Burnett mm-hmm. and uh, and this brilliant young director, Scott Cooper. 
who sends his love, by the way. Oh, I was good. just oh, on the set of his new oh, movie. Oh, yeah. He also wrote Crazy Heart. And as you know, he's uh, turned out some pretty good movies since then. Yeah. That experience of, of winning that Oscar, I think so many people really wanted that for you. And it was it was a great speech, dedicating it to Dad and everything. Uh, what was it like being up on that stage? And, <laughs> that was a dream. Yeah. I guess come true in a way. But no, not even come true. It just seemed like a dream. I mean, it, <laughs> it, you know. It was uh, an out-of-body experience, you know. Yeah. Where do you and, keep it? Uh, well, we we just moved, so it's kind of, I don't know where it is In a right box now. somewhere right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, uh, regarding that, like I said, I was just on the set of... Uh, of Hostiles, his his new his western, uh-huh. his Scott's shooting. Yeah. Right I got to get you in another western. Yeah, I was <laughs> over there making a, a movie uh, recently called Granite Mountain mm-hmm. uh, with Josh Brolin, and uh, we all got together with the other the other team. You know, Scott's movie being made and hung out a bit. Mm-hmm. It's great to see him there. Yeah, I just missed Ryan Bingham. He was coming in a couple days. Yeah, later. me too. I just missed him there too. Yeah. Um, when do you think you you think you and Scott will work together again? By the way, I sure do. I hope so. Anyway, yeah, got to get you guys together him. again. Well, uh, regarding westerns, you know, Hell or High Water is kind of a a neo western, I guess you will. I think it gets to a point where if there's Stetsons in West Texas involved, then mm-hmm. people want to call it a contemporary western. But this has some of the tropes, you know. Uh, I, I I loved watching you in this movie because you seem to relish playing the part like you know gut out just chewing on that accent <laughs> just like you looked really comfortable in the role and i'm just curious if is that a hard place to get to where you're that comfortable in the skin of a character uh, well it's always a challenge you know you're you're trying to find the tone of the movie so everybody in the movie seems like they're in the same world you know mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> You know, starting out, uh, you're qu- you know, I find I'm quite anxious before the first couple of days of shooting because you're, you know, the guy isn't uh, there yet until you've captured him on film. Mm-hmm. And once you've captured him on film, even one day, then you can start to apply kind of more clay around this, you know, your initial armature there. Mm-hmm. And it helps terrifically if you have a role model. Or, or you know several. Um, I was very lucky to have Joaquin Jackson, who was uh, no longer with us, but was one of the most formidable, uh, you know, famous Texas Rangers uh, of all time, really. Mm-hmm. And he was there uh, helping me uh, get it uh, get it right, as well as. Um, Taylor Sheridan, uh, the fellow who wrote the script, his cousin. Um, Parnell McNamara uh, was a marshal in Texas. And when I first read that script, I said, God, this this writer knows what he's talking about. It mm-hmm. felt so authentic. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, I proved to be uh, right because when I met Taylor, it turned out he grew up in Texas, had this uh, cousin who's, uh, you know, a marshal and... Uh, and so having those guys to talk to, Joaquin and Parnell, that helped uh, tremendously. Yeah. And it's something I notice in, in a lot of your work, honestly. I, I, it's obviously there in The Big Lebowski. I, I see it. I'm going to talk to you later about The Contender, but it's, 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 it's in that. Just this 
this quality of feeling so comfortable in the character's skin. And I, I, I feel like it's got to be a hard thing to pull off. I mean, maybe it's just alchemy to you and it's part of the process and you're not thinking about that. And as an analyzer, it's something uh-huh. I'm picking up on. But it's got to be a, 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 the kind of quality that actors strive for. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Somebody else i got to mention along with role models, especially playing anyone from Texas, is my dear buddy Lloyd Catlett, who's mm-hmm. my stand-in. And I think we must hold the record for actor and stand-in. We've done over 70 films together. Wow. We met on the last picture show. Mm-hmm. And he was a young kid, I think he was 16 or something like that, uh, living Man. in Wichita Falls. And he's kind of, he's the thread through all of my movies, you know, kind of a constant. So uh, it's wonderful to have a pal like that to go through all this stuff with. Yeah. You know, the socio-political context of Hell or High Water is obviously fascinating, uh, very much of the moment and the zeitgeist and dealing with banks, kind of mm-hmm. just banks running people over, essentially. Uh, and it's interesting, too, because you've got this guy from Scotland comes in and directs this movie with all these yeah. kind of American tropes and, and ideas. Uh, yeah. Working with David McKenzie, who directed Startup. What, what, how did you find yeah. him? Well... Uh, he was a big plus, a big draw for me at to come to the party because I saw Startup mm-hmm. and was so impressed with he, with what he did uh, with that story and with very little money to pull it off and the, you know what he did with all those great actors, the performances, and I thought this would be a great marriage between uh, Sheridan's script and. Uh, and David uh, as director, I thought that would be a wonderful team. And it, man, I thought it was. David was so great. You know, what I look for uh, from a director uh, is um, you know, creating the kind of the vibe for all of the actors and the artists that he's assembled to cook. You know, mm-hmm. what, what kind of? And he he did something that was really terrific. We shot in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And these days, they cut movies, you know, they edit the movies right along while you're making them. And uh, there was an old log cabin set up in the middle of town where the editing was taking place. And every weekend, David would invite uh, the cast and the crew to come over to this little cabin Mm -hmm. and check out the week's work, all assembled. And also to party a bit, you know, get to know (laughs) each other, you know. Uh, and to relax, and uh, you know what you what you mentioned about um, what was the term you used about feeling comfortable in the character? What, what did you say? Yeah, just feeling yeah. comfortable in the character's skin. Yeah, you're comfortable yeah. in the character's skin, and a lot of that I think has to do with this environment that the director creates, uh, and I think you feel more comfortable in your character's skin when you're relaxed, and you can kind of tap into this thing that wants to be born you know through you you know let let all the uh, the art flow freely and that happens i think when the atmosphere is is right you know mm-hmm. when you're when you feel um encouraged from the director to you know just let it all flow man. yeah so it was a pretty tight uh group of people on this great, one huh? yeah it was a wonderful uh group of folks i got most most of my scenes were with a wonderful actor uh, gil birmingham mm-hmm who played uh, my partner in the movie and uh, we had a, a great time um, it's like the odd couple <laughs> yeah 
and this you know getting to this relaxed uh, comfortable in the characters state you know a lot of that uh, comes from um, a certain degree of uh, intimacy that you that you um, achieve with your with your team you know and the actors that you're working with and one of the ways that Gil and I uh, did that was to play music together he's a great guitarist and I love to play and so we were constantly breaking out our gets and you know picking a bit yeah you know, and that, that brought us closer made us uh, you know work easy I just want to venture out a little bit here. Uh, I just saw Rod Lurie's new film, Killing Reagan. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah they got a screener for that. Is that based on what's his name's it's book? It's based on Bill O'Reilly. Ah, it's so weird. Died a little liberal doing that, this. That is so wild. <laughs> and how was it? I'm it was good. Curious. It was good. You know, Tim Matheson plays Reagan, and he's great. Oh, he's a good He's actor. a really interesting casting choice. Too. Oh, gosh. I got to. So, oh, that's great. He got me thinking about The Contender, obviously, play, directing another president, a fictional president yeah. in that sense. And uh, I've always been curious, like, that's another role where you look like you had a lot of fun playing it, but what was the most fun you had being able to play a president on film? Uh, Asking for the, sh- the shark sandwich or whatever it was was, yeah. was <laughs> one you of my favorite I, lines. What, the- something that I remember, a little piece of business that I enjoyed seeing myself do was uh, when he's putting his shoes back on after bowling, just kind of smelling his <laughs> shoe a little bit. But Rod, again, that's another example of uh, a script being written by a guy who really knows the turf, you mm-hmm. know. And Rod certainly, uh, certainly yeah. does and did. One of the interesting things about Rod, Lurie, is um, many years before we did the movie together, he was a... Um, a journalist. A journalist now, yeah. How do you? you can, are you a journalist? Is this? Were we journaling here? No, we're what journaling here. Yeah, yeah. We can you know, call he this was journalism. A journalist, and he told me that I was his first assignment. Right. Yeah. He's. I've, I've heard and that heard story. Heard that yeah, yeah. And then he said, uh, he said, you know, the reason I became a journalist was because I wanted to become a director, and I thought that would be an interesting path. Uh, you know, kind of like Truffaut or Bogdanovich um, or Bogdanovich. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I often would run into other journalists and ask them, oh, do you know Rod Lurie? And they go, oh, yeah. And their eyes would roll. <laughs> I say, why are your eyes rolling? He said, well, we'd be in these, you know, interviews with directors, a round table or something. And he'd be asking all of these technical questions, you know, trying to, you know, be, not be, not to put him in his article necessarily, but just because he wanted to, to direct learn. and learn. Yeah. But I think that was a great idea, you know. There's an audience for that, too, especially uh, now. I think you got uh, this designs for that uh, well you huh? know I think I think a, a lot of people involved in this industry in some form or another want to create at some point oh yeah but, but yeah it's a I think I it's think great to talk to people and just get underneath the just how it works and, and kind of convey that to people who might be interested I, I do think yeah. there's an audience for that so many different ways to do it yeah um, and you know regarding the contender I'd be curious if any stat hounds out there want to track this down I mean I can think of Anthony Hopkins for Nixon and you know Daniel Day-Lewis for Lincoln like getting nominated for playing a president but I don't know if there's been a fictional president where someone played and got nominated until you I uh-huh, uh-huh. I, mean, I was I found out it was a couple of days ago that my guy uh, my prez is um, Obama's favorite movie prez and I said that's oh, pretty cool. I didn't know that man that's cool <laughs> <laughs> um, you know 
I just wanted to talk about two movies recently. Uh, R.I.P.D. and Seventh Son. These are two movies that they, they didn't work with critics or at the box office. And I'm curious how you take it when something like that happens. Because these happen back to back and it's a bummer. Yeah. You know, you were on this high with a couple of movies yeah. like True Grit and Crazy Heart. That happens. Uh, how do you usually take that kind of thing? Well, when you bring those when you bring those two movies up, a couple of things pop into my head to answer your question. Not too bad because normally I'm onto something else right away. Yeah, you know when a movie comes out, it's a bit like uh, you got a horse in the horse race. And you say, "Come on, all right, PD, come on." Oh, and oh no, it's me. Oh yeah. shit! All right, all right, now you're going with the rest of your day. You know, mm-hmm. but both of those movies. Um, Man, <laughs> they were disappointing on an artistic, creative level far more than the financial box office deal. Um, they tend to do this with these big budgeted movies. Uh, they um, castrate the directors, man. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they think the suits have a better idea about how to paste the thing together. Mm-hmm. And they screwed up. Both, you know, both yeah. of those movies. I think uh, if they left it in the hands of the filmmakers, they would have been you know, much better movies. Yeah, I, I've had this conversation with with people a lot this year about uh, studios seem kind of ramshackled by by IP lately. It's like studios are becoming more IP management companies than they are. What's IP again? Uh, like an intellectual property. So like you oh. know, Star Wars, DC Comics, Marvel. Like they're, oh, yeah. they're kind of, they, they seem to be in the business of that whereas in the past they were more. Yeah, was, yeah. The know? show business that the business side of things you know overpowers it sometimes. Yeah. I mean it used to be that everybody at the top were film people and now it seems like everybody at the top tends yeah. to be more on the on the business side of the spectrum and yeah it seems to me that you know you've got these you know have they got the 300 million dollar movies yet I don't know if they have is that probably B- budget yeah Pro- probably budget probably it. unreported God, yeah, yeah probably <laughs> and they bitched about heaven's gate got it costing 40 million bucks you know that kind of, but uh what I'm happy to see is that maybe in uh, response to these giant budgeted movies, you get movies like uh, Tangerine. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it knocked me out. It's shot on an iPhone, man. You and you're know. a big fan of uh, Once as well. Once, and I just saw, I think it was his next film. Sing was Street? Sing Street, yeah. yeah. Both of those shot for nothing, and, you know, they're as far as entertainment value. Yeah. I think they're much better. Uh, they, they entertain me certainly more than, you know, all the CGI stuff. Yeah. I remember we had a conversation a few years back, and you were talking about Iron Man was like, they didn't have a script, basically. See, like yeah, were, but now that, now that is a whole different story. They set the release date before they... <laughs> yeah, Iron Man, uh, you know, there's many roads uh to to realm or to success or whatever, and uh, you know many ways to do the thing. I uh, Iron Man, um, the script wasn't quite right when we got it, and John Favreau and uh, uh, Robert Downey knew that it wasn't quite there. And we spent a couple of weeks, the three of us, honing the script, and then the day before shooting. Uh, Marvel threw it out. Said, "No, we don't want this." And we said, "What do you tell?" Oh, shit. And uh, we were so fortunate to have uh, John Favreau as our leader mm-hmm. because he was able to keep his cool, manage it, 
and uh, make the movie in this bizarre way that it was made. Many days, we would muster in my trailer uh, with John Favreau, Robert Downey, and all the suits from Marvel. Mm -hmm. And we would try to write the scene that we were going to shoot that day while all the crew was tapping their foot inside in the studio. Yeah. And, uh, you know, John would say, oh, I know a writer. He might have an idea. What's that? Let me call him. He'd call him a friend. I'd say, now, here's the scene. And, you know, we would switch parts. You know, uh, Downey would play my guy. I would play his guy. He'd try to come up with some things, you know. And it was driving me crazy because I like to kind of know my lines. You know, yeah. so other actors prepare a little differently. You know, I, but this is the way I like to do it. And so it was frustrating for me until I made a little adjustment in my head, and that made all the difference. And that adjustment was, Jeff, will you please relax? You're making a $200 million student film. Just <laughs> relax, man. Just roll with it. <laughs> and so that's what, and, that, and we had a ball, and it was great fun, and just, you know, that relaxing. Uh, again, it's that the the uh, director who can create that atmosphere and yeah. I got you know hats off to John to be able to create that kind of relaxed atmosphere in this panicked state that yeah, everybody no was in and um, God he's turned out some wonderful work That's did you see Jungle Book? I saw Jungle Book was incredible Chef yeah. knocked me out yeah. man I mean it's He's good that so he can talented. go back and forth between something like Chef yeah. and something like Jungle Book, too. That's and then Downey, of course. We were blessed to have him as uh, Iron Man. He's you know, so so talented and, and improvisation, which was so, you know, which that movie really required a lot of. Yeah, and he's played he that character that like space. 35 times oh, yeah, now. That's right. <laughs> he just keeps going back. Um, I, I looked back. I wanted. I didn't want to ask you this if you had been asked a lot, and it seemed like the only time you really addressed it was a around the time of uh, The Giver, whenever you were doing press for that, and that is uh, Robin Williams, who passed away right around there. And uh, I just wanted to, do you still think of Robin, uh, you know, the, the magic you guys made together on Fisher King with Terry Gilliam? Oh, yeah. I think I'm thinking about, about him a lot. I mean, as, even as we mentioned him, all kinds of, you know, different memories, you know, are flown in my brain. Yeah. I don't know really where to, what to share with you. Uh, well, that the, the the film you made together. I mean, oh, that, that magical scene in Grand Central and and just yeah, all of those. I mean, you know, when I first got on board that movie, I was you know a bit concerned because well, there's a lot of funny stuff in it. There's also some quite dramatic stuff, and I had this long monologue that I've got to give to Robin while he's in a coma there. You know. And I had these visions of him looking up at me and, you know, screwing around with me, trying to make me laugh while I'm into this thing. And uh, the opposite proved to be the case. He was so supportive in the most kind of zen-like way. You know, how can you, you know, be supportive without saying anything with your eyes closed, but just feeling that support radiating off him. And uh, I learned that his uh, comedic... Uh, Talents was just one of many in his uh, actor bag. You know, I mean, he studied at, at Juilliard, and he was a you know. I love to see his movies, uh, his later movies when he's playing bad guys. You know, mm -hmm. wonderful 
Yeah, like insomnia. Yeah. yeah, insomnia. What was the other one? He did one two, hour photo. Yeah, one hour photo. Yeah, yeah. he was so great in that, and uh, such a wonderful, wonderful guy. You produced The Giver. Speaking of that, mm-hmm. you, you interested in doing more of that, more producing? I like uh, I like doing that. Um, I produced a couple of, m- of movies. Uh, I did one called American Heart that I really dug that, and one called Hidden in America mm-hmm. that my brother Bo starred in. And uh, it's nice to, uh, you know, get the get the whole uh, run of the movie. It takes you know quite a while to with the giver. God, I was maybe 20 years mm-hmm. you know in trying to get that up on the screen I remember uh, reading that book huh? like what, that book when it came out I remember reading it in school yeah yeah I have a I think on the extras on the DVD I'm not sure if this is true or not is it Jean maybe Jean knows my <laughs> publicist she's sitting here um, but uh, some might I don't know how many years ago it was over 20 years ago I think I wanted to direct it, the movie mm-hmm. Produce it and direct it. I wanted my father, Lloyd Bridges, to star in it. And so, these, you know, 30 years ago, whenever it was, I assembled my whole family in my father and mom's house. And my father, we read the whole book on video. And my uh, young, uh, young uh, nephew played. Uh, Played the young kid in it, you know, and my mother played Meryl Streep's <laughs> part, you know, and uh, of course Meryl wasn't casted you know, at that time, but we shot the whole book, and that I think is available as the extras on the DVD, oh, wow. I don't know, or some of it, yeah. Go pick that up and check yeah. it out. Well, I'll close by talking about uh, the movie you're, you're, I guess you just finished, right, in New Mexico, or are you still doing yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're working with your Tron director on that. That's right. Tron yeah. Legacy. Joe Kuczynski, yeah. And is that why you've got, I haven't seen your face in a while. You've shaved no, uh, and you get the short hair. Is that for see, something I think, else? Uh, uh, well, before that, I was in England making um, the sequel to Kingsman. Ah, uh, Yes. And that had a little, you know, clean shave. And that's one of the things, you know, actors were constantly changing our stuff our stuff yeah know. uh working on this film with joe uh what's it called again i'm sorry the granite mountain granite mountain it's about the firefighters right yeah, yeah. in arizona well, how, how was that everything's being shot in new mexico lately so. well that's because they give us the, the benefit yeah. Yeah. yeah the tax stuff and i uh, wish wish california would do that it's kind of crazy that they don't yeah i don't know what the downside of it is but i think north carolina know. just got rid of theirs or something huh, something I wonder, happened it must out be there some reason that it's doesn't work for some people I don't know how, how was it working on that film and oh, th- that, that story was, is amazing obviously yeah. I remember when it was I, going around as a possible project yeah tragic you know these yeah. 14 firefighters losing their lives uh, I got to work with Josh Brolin who mm-hmm. I'd worked with in True Grit actually we didn't have any scenes together we hung out a bit in True Grit but it was great uh, he's a wonderful guy amazing actor yeah, I look forward to that. And uh, everybody, go check out Hell or High Water. It's doing well at the box office, uh, which is nice for a movie like that—a little movie to be trucking along. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm real pleased with it. It was called Comancheria at one point, called wasn't Comancheria. it? Comancheria. Yeah. Well, I think it's in uh, some countries. You know, I uh, think in France and Spain, Mexico, it'll be still called Comancheria, referring Ta- to this large expanse of land that was once ruled by the Comanches. 
Taylor's an interesting writer. I thought Sicario oh, is he, was... Oh, isn't he great? We're going to hear it. He just uh, directed his first film, too, so we're going to be uh, oh, wow. hearing a lot from that guy. Yeah, I think so. Well, thank you for coming on today, man. I really appreciate Thanks it. Good luck with Chris. the movie, okay? All right. Thanks All right. a lot. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe and check back next week when I'm talking to Sully and Bleed for This star, Aaron Eckhart. You've been listening to Playback at Variety. Variety.